Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with us on Twitter, you can find us at ILTM Podcast. We're also on Instagram. I love that movie podcast, and you can support us on Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. That's at patreon.com slash I love that movie. And if you sign up, you do get a bonus episode every week with my weekly roundup of popular shows and movies and just everything that's going on in pop culture. I'd like to take a moment to thank my top patrons, and they are Chris Balga, Jeff Widman, Philip Barker, and Michael Cross. Thank you so much for keeping the lights on. And of course, we have a website, Discord, and Facebook groups. And every week we do a live episode recap on Get Vocal, and you can interact on there, actually be on the show, and give me all your feedback about last week's episode. So please check all that out in the show notes. And lastly, guys, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. And I have a returning guest with me here today. I have Bart Weiss. Say hi, Bart. Hi, Bart. <laughs> and you're back to talk about DocuFest, which looks a little different this year. I mean, everything looks a little different this year, Yes. but uh, that includes DocuFest. So go ahead and introduce yourself real quick and then tell us about the festival. So I'm Bart Weiss. I teach at the University of Texas at Arlington. I also program the Dallas Video Fest, which runs DocuFest. I'm making four movies at the time, which are really kind of active interesting and produce the tv show frame of mind on kere television thursday nights at 10 30 until thanksgiving and we've got some great shows there but this docufest indeed is different we're doing something you know since we started our festival in 1987 we always do something we've never done before like if there <laughs> isn't a possibility that something could totally blow up in our face like it's just not worth doing right right so so this year, um, you know, in spring, we did our alternative fiction festival, which was all online. And we were one of the first festivals in the area to go all online and figure out how to do that. This time we're doing our, our DocuFest both at a drive-in and online. So there's two elements. So if you want to stay in the house and you don't feel like going out, we have a full slate of programs for you to watch at home. And they're all really great and wonderful. And if you wanna go out to a drive-in, and the cool thing about doing the drive-in is you get to be out and an experience with a community of people and be totally safe, because you'll stay in your car the whole time. So, uh, and we have good sound because they have a way to get the sound through your audio system of your car. We'll have a way to do Q and A's. Um, it's at this incredibly cool new space. This will be the first time that a film has been projected at this cool new space called the Tin Star, 
which is this new space that is not just for drive-in movies, but also for performances. They had a performance of the Bruce Wood Dance Company and other dance performances a few weeks ago. And um, so their idea is to have something for all of the arts community to see in their cars. And it's going to be really great. Yeah, I am really excited about this. I have to tell you, last Friday, I went to the Texas Theater and I yeah. saw Videodrome. Oh, um, great. That was my recommendation in last week's newsletter. Oh, awesome. Okay. Well, yeah, I went there because um, my husband's actually a big Cronenberg fan and yeah. he's been kind of introducing me to a lot of the movies. And I went there at the Texas Theater. I was wondering how it was all going to work. You know, as somebody that yeah. didn't grow up with a lot of drive-ins, I was curious, um, especially a venue that hasn't done that a whole lot in the past or maybe mm -hmm. ever. Um, it was a great experience. I felt super safe. I'm, I haven't returned to the theater yet. So this was a yeah. way for me to do that. And even though we were all in our cars, it's still, I don't it know. It's like a community. Show. You feel like you're yeah. with people. And that, exactly. That's, that's the beauty of that. By the way, Videodrome is, is, is a really great film. And it's very loosely, very, very loosely based on Marshall McLuhan. Mm. And if you don't know anything about Marshall McLuhan, I, we did a video about McLuhan for our festival back in the 90s. And I can send you a link to that. So you can know oh, all awesome. about Marshall McLuhan. It's called Rewinding into the Future. Ooh, I like it. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, we ordered from our car. Yeah. And, you know, I think the only time I went inside is like to use the restroom really fast. Yeah. But even when I had to do that, there was nobody in there. Like, yeah. you know, these these spaces have um, come up with really inventive ways to bring us to be into safe. the theater. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. So I'm really excited about that addition to the festival. I was looking at the 10 star today and it just seems like a really neat area. Um, yeah. So what what is there like a theme to DocuFest this year? What What kinds of programs? are you bringing to this festival this time around? So, um, I, and, and, and before I wrote the newsletter the other day, I was thinking about, so what, what are we doing this year? And I <laughs> broke it into icons and issues. So like we that. have like really important cultural figures and we have issues. And, uh, but, but let me tell you about one thing that is like such a video festival thing that no other festival would think to do this. And I think it's really cool. And it's the thing we actually start the festival with. And to be really honest, as soon as I'm done on this, I'm going to go back and edit this because I just got all this material together. Nice. But it struck me that a lot of Dallas and Dallas Fort Worth and Dallas area organizations have struggled with how to go online, how to reach their audiences in different kinds of ways. So what I've asked all these organizations from the Dallas Opera, the Dallas Symphony Orchestra, um, and um, Undermain Theater, and um, um, you know, Teatro Dallas, and uh, so many theater companies, dance companies, um, musical ensembles, and they all sent me a five-minute video of things they've been doing online. So we're going to have this celebration of the creativity of the Dallas-Fort Worth area and how they've adapted um, to COVID and able to work with their audiences, and it's really very cool. Oh, that's really exciting. Yeah, it's, you know, it's been an adjustment, I think, for everybody. And I think at first we're like, oh, I, I don't want to go on Zoom. I don't want to, you know, learn something different or spend so much time digitally. But I have found myself attending different events virtually and 
I have had in some cases an even better experience because maybe I wouldn't have gone to that festival. Maybe I would have been doing something else. And this makes it so accessible for so many people that, you know, maybe wouldn't have made it to the festival otherwise. Yeah, I mean, it definitely has its pluses. Clearly, the arts world will change after this. I think everything mm -hmm. we're learning about how to connect with audiences digitally will move into the future, even when we're able to go back and we'll just integrate with the art practice that we're doing. So we're just trying to show like what people have done and give a kind of broad sense. And and in one of the pieces is this like um, this um youth percussion camp <laughs> so, oh. so we, cut, we cut from the dallas symphony orchestra to these kids playing drums in their backyards wow that's really cool <laughs> the dso is something that i'm really missing right now too i saw that they're selling like tickets digitally that you can yeah. like and i'm like that that could be something to do too like i really miss you know live music and yeah um even if it's virtually i'm i'm on board for it for sure um, are there some selections that are your favorite from this year? Well, um, you know, it's like, which one of these fingers do I not <laughs> like more than the other one? You know, so so let me just talk about like, and we have all these really interesting people. Let me, before I get to that, the opening night film after that one about the, um, the one about the uh, Dallas Arts Organizations, um, is something I am really, really very excited about. Um, so um, there's a guy named Miles Hargrove, who's, who's a Dallas filmmaker. And back in the 90s, he and his family lived in Colombia. And his father got kidnapped by the FARC. And he had a video aid camera, like a really old school video camera, and was documenting everything that they were doing, their family was doing month after month after month after month to try to get their father free wow. to negotiate with terrorists and here you have this sort of like inside look of what it's like to deal with the possibility of losing your father and trying to negotiate for his life it's just really amazing it's called miracle fishing this will be its first screening in the dallas fort worth area we're very very excited um, that he allowed us to show this film i've been hearing about it for a long time it was supposed to play at tribeca and that didn't happen and so this is kind of a really really big deal and then at the end of the festival we're showing a preview a world premiere of um this film from Mark Birnbaum is a friend of mine, a very good filmmaker who made a film about this photographer named Bird Williams IV. And all of the other Bird Williams were photographers. And this guy is a really quirky, really incredible photographer. And it's a very, very beautiful film. But between all of those films, we have, we have a documentary about Herb Albert. And you know Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass? Or, no, or you're, really. <laughs> you're, 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 see, some of this stuff is like you're way too young about. So, anyway, he was, he, uh, he is still living. Um, he had this very, very popular group called Herb Albert Tijuana Brass, and they played this kind of um, Latin kind of brass music that was very, very, very popular. It was a very, very big deal. And so, like, that's part of this film. But also, he went on to be one of the owners of A&M Records, which is a record, major record label. And he went on to, um, to discover a lot of talent and was a real businessman in that way. He also um, did a lot of philanthropy work. And I happen to know something about that because I once was on a 
grants panel for the Herb Albert Foundation, which I thought was really interesting. Um, but more importantly is after all of this, he's an artist. He is a sculptor and a painter. And this person who is known mostly for his music and for the record label has been showing in galleries around the world, like major city galleries. And um, so it's like you think you know who this person is, but there's way, way more to the story of these people of the composite magic. We also have a film about um, Lucille Ball. I love Lucy. And you've seen that, right? I haven't seen the movie, but I saw- No, no, you've only seen the TV show. You've seen the TV show. Oh, of course. Yeah, I think I've seen every single episode. Um, Okay, so this is a a (laughs) film made by a local uh, local film company, AMS oh. Pictures, about, uh, about Lucille Ball and about the show, how that all happened, what her life was before the show, what her marriage was like, how she and Desi ran the studio, and later she ran the studio by herself, and all of the incarnations of the show after I Love Lucy, and really about her very rich and complex life. And it's got some amazing interviews with some of the great female comedians of our time. And it's it's a really, really wonderful piece, and it's something that nobody will want to miss. Um, We also have a film about Jimmy Carter. So Jimmy Carter, this film is called Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President. Most people think of him as a kind of, um, he was very big into human rights. And, um, but he was a good friend of Bob Dylan. He, he wrote poetry. Um, he had Bob Dylan over the, into the White House many times. Um, Willie Nelson, uh, Greg, I mean, a lot of rock and roll musicians were friends of his. So this like tells a different side of a politician. And the thing that's really wonderful about the film is it, it, it sort of speaks to the election that's coming up and what a president could be in better times. It's like somebody who's decent, somebody who cares about art, somebody who cares about our, our better selves and our, and our more aesthetic selves. And um, so it's, it's just a really feel good, you know, quite enjoyable movie um, about it. Um, and then we have, um, we have a documentary about Chuck Berry. And um, most people know all of Chuck, a lot of Chuck Berry's music, but nobody really knows where he came from, what his life was like. And um, this, this fills in that. And it, it's done in a really beautiful way. There's this great animation and this great kind of look about the film. And, and so it's really great. So we got like these, these you know, very, very important figures um, that we were sort of doing pieces about. Um, and then we have another um, Dallas-made film. We got a lot of Dallas-made films this year. We're very Dallas-centric. Um, from Alan Governor, I don't know if you know Alan, but he's kind of a cultural anthropologist, filmmaker, and he's very much into culture. Last year, we showed a film of his called Tattoo Uprising, which is sort of a history and aesthetics of tattooing, which this year will be on the TV show. But his new film... Um, and all of his films, like we play them in our festival and people come to them, but they play in New York and they're a really big deal. They sell out in New York. Um, this one's called The Myth of Colorblind France. And it talks about uh, how in Paris, all these people, all these African-Americans went to Paris, some, some of them after World War I and some of them, you know, continually to this day. Um, to be treated better and to not only not live a life where, where they were discriminated against all the time, but where their work was cherished 
in a really different kind of way. And um, so there are a lot of very important people, Josephine Baker, a lot of, lot of, lot of people that, are, that, are, that this film is about. And it's really kind of a bit of history that, that you know, many people don't know. Speaking of a history that people don't know, we have this film called The First Film. And this film makes this case in detail that whoever you thought made the first film, Lumiere Brothers or, or Edison, it, this guy believes that it was a guy named Le Prince hmm. who made the first film. And it's a very convincing argument. Ooh. So um, you, should, uh, you should look into that. Um, then we have a great series of documentaries, uh, short documentaries. Um, so really, really awesome short documentaries. Um, there's this program called For Mad Men Only, the Dell Close Story. Now, if you're not into improv comedy, you've never heard of this guy. But all he taught all of the comedians that were part of Second City, which then went on to be on Saturday Night Live. So most of the contemporary comedians that you know were influenced by this crazy guy named Del Close. And this guy was totally insane. I mean, he <laughs> literally was insane. I mean, he checked himself into asylum from time to time. But um, the, the thing about this film that, that is so really fascinating is he convinced, this really did happen, he convinced DC Comics to do a series about his life. So the way they tell the story of this guy's life is they have the interviews that somebody did with him while he was trying to figure out what he was going to put in that comic, in the comic book. And they, they then get actors to recreate that stuff that they talked about. And then they intercut the actual comic book in there, as well as all these interviews from all these people. So it's, it's a really fascinating film. Um, and one of these things that you probably can't see anyplace else, um, but with, uh, with us. Then we have some, uh, there's this great film called Missing in Brooks County. And this is, you know, one of those immigration stories. And it's sort of a different take on this. And Brooks County in Texas is a place where a lot of people who are crossing the border disappear. Wow. And their families are trying to find out what happened to them. So there's this group uh, mostly one guy, but a group of people who, first of all, like take water gallon jugs and place them out so that people have something to drink. But people will call them and say, can you find my son? And they drive around and they try to find, um, for some people, they might be still living. And for some people, it's just to get closure. Um, but it's a side of the immigration story. You know, it's like many things in documentary. It's like you think you've heard everything but there's always a side of the story told well can be very affecting. Um, only a few more. <laughs> <laughs> They're also really good. I mean, the Jimmy Carter one, the I Love Lucy one, yeah. uh, Chuck Berry. I mean, these are really big names and icons, as you said. Icons. So I'm excited to hear more. Yeah. Icons and issues. And, and so um, we have this piece called uh, Gay Chorus in the Deep South. And it's about this, um, this guy who came from Texas, actually, um, Tim Selig. And Tim um, in San Francisco um, runs this big deal gay chorus. And they decided that they were going to travel in the South to play big halls and churches if they would let them in 
just to try to meet all these people that were really discriminating against gay rights. And they were just, um, um, so there are a lot of like these incredibly touching moments where members of the choir have family that has disowned them and has not seen them in years. And they come out and see them perform. And it's really about, well, the music is incredibly beautiful, but the transformational quality of art to change people's bigotry, which I think is really a powerful thing. And speaking of art and bigotry, um, do you know who Pepe the Frog is? I do. <laughs> okay, so, so this is the icons and images all in one film. Oh. So Pepe the Frog was made by a guy named Matt Fure. It was part of a comic strip that he was doing. And, and it sort of got hijacked by the alt-right. And this film is about him and what happened. And if you've never met him, he's just, I've never met him, but I've seen him in the film. He's just an incredible guy, very, you know, just a sweet guy who just happened to make this image that sort of took off in a different way. And he's trying to reclaim it. He's trying to get it back. He, he goes to the Anti-Defamation League to put it, out, put it out as a hate symbol and trying to get them to remove that. Mm. And he's, he's like just battling, trying to get something he created, which has turned like really bad. And it really speaks to our culture at the moment. And, but there's a nice thing at the end. After all oh. this, like you're really, um, at the end of the film, the, you see the people in Hong Kong protesting and they have Pepe the Frog on them. <laughs> that is an angle I've never thought about. So that, that sounds really interesting. You know, I, I can't imagine how awful that would be to create something, put yeah. it out there and have someone hijack it for evil. Like that's literally the worst yeah. thing that could happen with something you make. So, wow. Absolutely. And, and the other thing about the film is that uh, the film is, is two filmmakers who made it. One of them is an animator. And so what they did is they, they took the Pepe image and they animated a lot of the images. So it's really kind of fun to see this image that you know, and you know what effect it's had, but see it come to life, wow. which is always kind of fun. And then we have one more film and that's it. <laughs> and this is, this is one of these really, you know, you look at things and, and it's just so bizarre and just sort of fits for the moment. It's called Texas Trip, A Carnival of Ghosts. And these French filmmakers just happened to do this thing where they were traveling around a lot of Texas um, drive-in movies, making oh. this sort of, sort of horror-ish, sort of cultural, sort of touring kind of, you know, fascinating, visually beautiful but the sort of ghost of the old drive-ins and what the drive-ins mean and what this culture is. Anyway, it's just a really beautiful, so that's what we're ending it at, at the drive-in. It's like, wow. what better way to end the drive-in experience by having a film like that? Completely agree. Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, when you're looking for silver linings, I think the idea of the drive-in making a resurgence is kind of a big one because that's something, I think I've been to one or two drive-ins my entire life. Um, and they were a long time ago and I barely remember them. And it's something that I'm like, I really want it to happen more. And there was one that opened in Louisville. There's, a, I think, a partner yeah. in Fort Worth. And then it closed. I never even got to go to it. And I was just like missing that. And so this is kind of, you know, it's another way we can revisit the past. It's nostalgic, but, you know, it's in a new way. And so that's, that's a really good way to end it, I think.
Yeah. And the thing is, back in those days, it had really bad sound. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. The little radio thing that you Yeah. Your yeah. Car. It was just yeah. like really lo-fi. <laughs> so, so it's like it was not a great cinematic experience. You would not want to <laughs> see a well-made film back in those days. So, it, it, I mean, it created a certain kind of filmmaking. I mean, mm-hmm. Roger Corman sold his films and drive-ins. I mean, there was a whole way of, you know, teen- and and look, to be honest, what were drive-ins really for? There were two yeah. different communities that went there. <laughs> Teenagers who had a car and wanted to make out mm-hmm. and really weren't watching the movies. And then families that had like, you know, a whole bunch of kids and they couldn't afford to go to a regular movie, but you can get one car load in so right. they could stay at the drive-in and, you know, see two films and it would just keep them, uh, keep them occupied. That's so true. I think one of my favorite things to watch, this is kind of weird, but on YouTube, I've seen like compilations of like old ads that yeah. they had at drive-ins or old movies. And I just, it's fun to watch those because then you can think about, I don't know, just how it was back then and missing a little of that nostalgia now. So now we can reclaim it with better sound, like you said, <laughs> a better experience for sure. Bart, thank you so much for taking some time tonight to tell us a little bit about this event and, you know, to keep the, the film industry alive in your, in your way. You know, um, and where can people where can people find these tickets? Where can they find more information? So go to our website, videofest.org, and there's information there, and you should be able to find information on how to get both access to the online films and also the ones at the theater. And also there's information on our TV show frame of mind on KERA on Thursday nights. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much and uh, have a good one. And I guess I'll see you digitally at the uh, festival. So, yeah. Thank you very much. 